Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Honduran President Xiomara Castro is getting ready for a visit to China beginning on Friday. Russia and Ukraine are trading fresh accusations over damage to a pipeline crucial to the Black Sea grain deal. And more than 400 wildfires are burning in Canada, affecting air quality further south in the U.S. East Coast. We begin in Asia. Honduran President Xiomara Castro will begin her first state visit to China on Friday. It is the first visit after the two countries established diplomatic ties earlier this year. China has opened its embassy in the Central American country. Alastair Beverstock reports on the new partnership. Honduras established formal diplomatic ties with Beijing in March, and just this week, China inaugurated its new embassy here in the capital. Now, this Central American nation is looking towards closer cross-Pacific ties. The inauguration ceremony saw officials from both nations celebrate in what economists here are calling a key moment for future progress. 21st century must be a period of unity for humanity, and the immense majority of Hondurans support this decision of opening our relations up with China because it also opens up our hopes for better future. Honduras is also getting an embassy in Beijing, appointing renowned medical science researcher Salvador Enrique Moncada as the country's first ambassador to China. As a former Honduran ambassador himself, Efrain Diaz says the ambassadorial nomination can greatly deepen the country's relationship. It was a very wise appointment given the long scientific career Dr. Moncada has had. And the opening of the embassy is a very clear sign that our diplomatic relations are moving in the right direction for both nations' interests in different areas, political, economic, cooperation and investment. However, as a country struggling with high rates of poverty and external migration, this Central American country hopes to learn from its new cross-Pacific partner. ¿Cómo el país puede realmente dar el salto? How can our country's developing economy leap to being stronger when it comes to manufacture? China's contribution can be very important here because of its own experience in the transformation it has undergone over the past 25 years. As Honduras embarks on a new era of relations with China, this country says it hopes to learn and benefit from its deepening ties to Asia. That was Alastair Beverstock reporting from the Honduran capital. China says both countries will take the visit by the Honduran president as an opportunity to push for a steady and lasting relationship. Foreign Ministry spokesperson Wang Wenbing described the visit as historic. Since the establishment of diplomatic relations over two months ago, China and Honduras have been actively delivering on their commitments, coordinating with a sense of urgency and working together to get bilateral relations off to a quick start with mutual respect, equality, mutual benefit, and common development as the principal and goal. This is the Honduran president's first state visit to China. The two heads of state will hold historic meetings to chart and lead the future development of China-Honduras relations. The spokesperson also said China looks forward to working with Honduras to deepen mutual trust and expand cooperation. 
For more about Honduras's vision for bilateral relations with China, reporter Zhou Jiaxing sat down with Honduran Foreign Minister Eduardo Reyna. Since 2017, we've seen several Latin American countries establish ties, diplomatic ties with China, which Washington sees that as the expansion of China influence. Do you agree? China is a China is an important curator in international politics. China participates in all international organizations, and as such, its presence is important in a diplomatic relationship. It is the decision that all countries have gradually taken. In the case of Latin America, not only in the political and the diplomatic field, but also seeing the commercial and economic realities that benefit their own economies. In this case, more than I believe that the expansion of China, which I also believe must be seen in a positive way, China has grown economically during all these years in a general way. It has lifted hundreds of millions of people out of poverty. So I think that beyond any ideological or political vision, it is a reality of also tangible benefits. With the new diplomatic ties, how do you think this will reshape the trading partnership, and what would be at the focus? Of your government. I think that the relationship with China is going to be very positive from the point of view, as I say, in investments and trade, also in infrastructure projects. So, as I told you, there is a reality that is progressing little by little. And now, with the formal establishment of our diplomatic relations, I think that there are many areas of cooperation that we can move forward, and that we have already spoken in a timely manner with the State Councilor Qing Gang. For example, some issues of investment, finance, trade, infrastructure, culture, education, science. There is a wide range of issues that I believe will strengthen our ties, and that China is working already in a very positive way. So this year marks the 10th anniversary of China's proposed Belt and Road Initiative, which aims to boost infrastructure, trade, and socio-economic、uh, perspective. What is your vision about this project, and, and how do you see the possibilities of Honduras' participation next in these projects? These initiatives that President Xi Jinping has initiated are important. We are currently studying them. These are four great initiatives. We are working to see which of them fits into our vision of foreign policy and the vision that President Castro has for development of Honduras. I believe that there will be several common ideas that can be worked on. We are looking for projects that the Chinese knowledge and experience can help us accomplish them, and their support will be important in the generation of clean energy. At low prices, and also that it will generate significant amounts of employment in the country when these projects are built. That was Honduran Foreign Minister Eduardo Reyna on the future of relations with China. Turning to Europe, Russia and Ukraine are trading fresh accusations over damage to a pipeline crucial to the Black Sea grain deal. Both Kyiv and Moscow say the pipeline used to transport ammonia fertilizer from Russia via Ukraine is damaged. Russia's defense ministry claims a Ukrainian sabotage group blew up a section of the pipeline, while the governor of Ukraine's Kharkiv region says Russian troops shelled the tubes. The resumption of the pipeline is one of Moscow's conditions for renewing the Black Sea Grain Initiative. The United Nations agreed to help Russia overcome difficulties in its fertilizer exports around the same time the Black Sea grain deal was signed last year. Stuart Smith has more. 
It's the longest ammonia pipeline in the world at 2,500 kilometres, but it's been out of action for 15 months, and now Moscow says it's partially destroyed. The Russian Foreign Ministry said it would take between one to three months to repair the damage. The reopening of the Tolyati Odessa pipeline had been demanded by Russia to secure a future for the Black Sea grain deal, with Moscow eager to get supplies flowing again to ease its fertilizer export difficulties. Meanwhile, evacuations continue along the banks of the Dnipro River, where vast flooding has destroyed thousands of homes and trapped some residents. A hydroelectric dam holding back a large reservoir burst on Tuesday, releasing a torrent of water towards the Black Sea three stories high. Concerns about contaminated water have prompted local authorities to issue water purification tablets and recommend residents only consume bottled water. Ukraine's also worried about the potential for major agricultural problems ahead, with 94% of irrigation systems in Kherson and 74% in Zaporizhia having dried up as the reservoir's water levels continue to drop. While floodwaters are starting to recede and the torrent has started to slow down, it's expected water levels will only return to normal in around two weeks' time. That was Stuart Smith reporting. The European Union is mobilizing a humanitarian effort to help flooded communities near the Kakova Dam on the front lines between Russia and Ukrainian forces. The destruction of the dam has unleashed floodwaters across southern Ukraine. Yolo Abdafid has more about the strategic importance of the dam. Kavkoka was a dam and a hydroelectric power plant on the Dnieper River in southern Ukraine. It was the sixth and final dam built along the river, holding back a series of reservoirs with power plants alongside. The town and port of Nova Kakovka was built on the eastern side. The dam is strategic because of its sheer size. Water was used for agriculture as well as to supply water for Crimea and also to cool reactors of Saporizhia nuclear plant. Because of fighting, the plant is mostly closed with only one reactor now on standby. The biggest dangers could be the loss of fresh water for food production and supplies downstream. And Kharkovka Dam held back a reservoir that was more than 2,000 square kilometers. Now, satellite images as well as video footage confirms from when the dam wall was intact before Tuesday to how it was after the explosions destroyed a section of the dam wall. The change is dramatic as the breach began the inevitable flooding of farmland and communities further south especially 70 kilometers down towards the city of Kherson. Towns and villages and agriculture and industrial facilities all along the riverbanks are flooded. That was Yolo Abdafid reporting. In North America, more than 400 wildfires are burning in Canada. More than half of them are out of control. It could be Canada's worst-ever wildfire season. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says more than 20,000 people have fled their homes and communities. The blazes have also affected air quality along the U.S. East Coast and in the Midwest. Jody Jacobs reports from New York City. The smog is everywhere. There's even a smoky smell in the air. New Yorkers are complaining that officials haven't provided clear guidance on what to do. Definitely coming out of the office earlier this morning, you could still smell it. It's kind of concerning to be out in the open, and I don't really know how this like affects me. I understand it's smoky. I understand if somebody tells me to stay inside, if somebody says the air quality is, is poor, you shouldn't do physical activity outside, or you should try to stay inside. I think they have to put it in really pure, easy-to-understand terms, because saying the 
air index quality is whatever doesn't have a lot of meaning for a lot of people. This blanket of haze has been especially dense since Tuesday, but smoke from ongoing Canadian wildfires moving south has impacted the entire U.S. Northeast for more than a week. Iconic landmarks like the Statue of Liberty are also difficult to see. One health expert that we spoke to says there's no need to panic at this stage, as the smog should pass by Thursday. But New York's public schools aren't chancing it. They've cancelled all outdoor activities. Young children uh, who may not uh, really have uh, that good of a lung capacity, it could be the elderly, people who are immunocompromised, people who may be suffering from COPD. They are the ones who should be uh, clearly taking precautions over here. At around 10 p.m. on Tuesday, the air quality in New York City was the worst in the world. The Swiss air quality technology company IQ Air said the Big Apple reached a very unhealthy level. A few hours later, only New Delhi in India had the worst air than New York City. Well, may, this may be the first time we've experienced something like this on this magnitude. Let's be clear, it is not the last. Climate change is accelerating these conditions. And we must continue to draw down emissions, improve air quality, and build resiliency. New York Governor Kathy Hochul says her office too will be closely monitoring the situation. And while the air quality might improve by Thursday, there are fears the smog might linger as the Canadian wildfires rage on. That was Jody Jacobs reporting. Before we go, here's a recap of today's top stories. Honduran President Xiomara Castro is getting ready for a visit to China beginning on Friday. Russia and Ukraine are trading fresh accusations over damage to a pipeline crucial to the Black Sea grain deal. And more than 400 wildfires are burning in Canada, affecting air quality further south along the U.S. east coast. That concludes today's top story, which brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.